Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. This morning, we're looking at I Will Walk on a Level Path. I want to read The Unshakable Life, one who builds on the unshakable Word of God. And the unshakable Word of God is what makes us be anchored. And unshakable Word of God makes us immovable. Unshakable Word of God makes us indestructible. Here's our faith declaration, all right? One who unites the heart and mouth to declare by faith, and a faith declaration we define in the very first message. If you need to go back and listen to that, you probably should, on what it really means to unite the heart and the mouth to declare by faith the Word of God and unshakable life declarations, which we went to Psalm 27, and we have seven that we've gone through, kind of a verse-by-verse verse of the 14 verses of Psalm 27, and we pulled out seven unshakable life declarations that we're using. Let's put these on the screen, and I'd like you to read all of them out loud with me. Just put them all up, and we'll read them together. Here we go, everyone. I will live life strong. I will love God's house passionately. I will hold my head high. I will have an overflowing heart. I will turn to God at all times. I will walk on a level path, and I will not lose heart. All right, Psalms 27 and verse 11 and 12. Psalms 27, verse 11 and 12 are the two verses we're looking at in this particular declaration. Psalm 27, verse 11 and 12. Teach me your way. Pause for a moment, and I want you just to consider those words as David pens them and exactly what they'll mean to us today as we talk about walking on a level path. Teach me your way. Not my way, not a way, someone else's way, but your way. How does that happen? Oh, Lord, and lead me, teaching is different than leading. And lead me in a smooth path. Definition for that will come forthrightly. Because of my enemies, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. There's always adversaries at every open door. There's always adversaries at every crossroads in life. There's always those that would like to push you down, push you out of the will of God, not only the uh, demonic and satanic, but even uh, those that are in human flesh and of wrong mindset that would try to push you out of the ways of God or push you aside from the will of God or to make something look so pleasing to your eyes that you think you should walk in that way, but it's not the way you should go. But they make it look so pleasing and so right and it's so... Uh, reasonable to the natural mind that you might go your own way, but it's not the way of God. It's not the way the Lord has for you. How do you figure that out? Declaration is I will walk on a level path. I'll read it to you. I will choose a lifestyle of integrity and I will walk according to the principles of God's word. I will learn God's ways. And because of learning God's ways, I'm going to walk on a level Path, not up and down, sideways, taking wrong turn, detours, delays, wasting time. I'm going to walk on a level path, the highway of the Lord. I want to make sure everything that goes on in my life is the will of God. It's prosperous, it's fruitful, and it's right. And it's the level path for me. 
Let's define the word path here or define the word uh, smooth, a smooth level path. What does that mean? Just a couple simple definitions. A plain or level place of uprightness. Because whenever you study the paths of the Lord, you will find that integrity or uprightness is a big part of the path. All right? A plain path, but it's a path of uprightness. And it's also a path that is direct. Not wasting time. No detours. Not doing your own thing. Not up and down, but a direct path. A level path free from obstacles, not free from challenges, but obstacles. Some of the obstacles we put in our own way. We actually stumble our own feet. We actually detour ourselves in the things of God. Let's define three important words this morning that you will get something from this and be able to apply to your life. Psalm 27, verse 1, teach me thy, if you write in your Bible, you would circle the word way. And lead me in a plain If you write in your Bible, circle the word path. I want to see the difference between the psalmist praying, teach me a way, lead me in a path. Teach me your way, but lead me in your path. What's the difference biblically? Why does he use these two words? They almost sound identical, but they are, in fact, not at all identical. They have a definite concept to them. This is what we mean. The way we live. Proverbs 14 and verse 12, there's a way. Notice, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There is a way that seems right, but the end is the way of death. When we speak about the way, it is the way in which we live our life reflected by our moral character, actions, and behavior. When we define the word way, the word way right through the scriptures defines the life you're leaning into right now. The word way defines your moral choices you're making today. The word way defines your moral character that you're building right now. The word way speaks of the choices that actually cause you to lean toward the path you will ultimately take. And the end result of that way choice will be a path that you can't maybe get off of. And so every person here is building into their life a way to walk in God. And that way is reflected right now by what you do, how you choose, your attitude, your moral character. You're building your way. Now, if you want to know the end results, well, Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a way that seems right. But the end result is horrible. There's a way that looks right, and I'm leaning into it. If you want to know what you're going to be in 10 years, look at yourself right now. What are you building into your attitudes, your character, your choices, your decisions right now? Because the way that you choose things right now will become the path of your destiny. And you don't have to have a huge, mysterious, I have no idea where I'm going to be in 10 years. Yes, you do. I have no idea what kind of a person I will be 30 years from now. Of course you have an idea. It will be multiplied 30 times of what you are right now. Now, if you're very happy with yourself and your character and your choices and your attitudes and your behavior, and it's getting better every week and every month, then as you move down the way of life, reflecting your moral character, your lifestyle, you will begin to define the path that you will take. Your marriage will not be a mystery five years from now. If you're on the right way, 
Now, the word path is a journey. This is your life journey. The direction your lifestyle has taken you. A path is deeper, wider, and longer than a way. A path defines a person's long-term movement. It's a journey that you've been on. You might say about somebody, I know the way about them. They have a certain way about them. After a while, you might say, they have a certain life that they live. Or you might say, I know where they're going to end up. Their journey has been selected. Their path is well-worn. I don't have to double-guess where they're going. They're on a path. And it's well-worn. And that's one of the words about path in the Bible. A path is made by continuous movement upon it. Continuous habits. Continuous routine makes a path. A path of integrity. A path of righteousness. A path of goodness. A path of the, uh, honesty. A path of good character. A path of trustworthiness. You just do it by routine and you dig in. And pretty soon that path begins to push you toward destiny. Way doesn't push you toward destiny, it pushes you toward the path. But once you get on the path, you're well on your way to becoming the person that you're going to become. Now, destiny. The destiny we fulfill will involve these three things. Your habits that determine your lifestyle. That's the way you live. Your lifestyle will determine your paths. That's the way you'll walk. That's what you'll be known by. Ultimately, that will be the final chapters of your life, will be your paths. Your paths determine your ultimate, your destiny. Once you get on that path, you better make sure it's the right one. Now, look at yourself this morning and simply say, all right, there's some habits and ways about me that shouldn't be, then you need to change them. You know, they're very hard to change, Frank. They'll be harder later. They'll be harder later. And you don't want to pay the price for the bad choices and bad habits when you're just in a lifestyle making. You don't have all the consequences for the making yet. You only have potential seeds you're sowing and potential sort of consequence, potential things that could happen because of your choices. But after a period of time, if you sow dishonesty, if you sow a lack of integrity, if you violate principles over one year, five years, seven years, ten years, if you're always the sloppy worker or always the nagging wife or always the insensitive husband or always the friend that drops too soon or is never loyal enough, after you sow your lifestyle away for a while, pretty soon you'll drop into a path and people will know you by the path you walk on and you'll pay your consequences on the path. You would be better off to change your ways than to try to change your paths. Because they're harder. So right now, you begin sowing the right things into your ways. Things begin to happen and your path changes. Now, here are some paths that people choose that are wrong. These are paths that people get onto that are not simple. This doesn't happen overnight. Number one, the path of sinful behavior. 
Job 6 and verse 18. The paths of their way turn aside. This is an amazing scripture. Job 6, 18. And they go nowhere and they perish. That's a sad scripture. Their paths turn aside. And they end up going nowhere. And they perish in the nowhere path. Why? Because of sinful behavior. Psalms 1 and verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not of the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners. There's a path you make. Proverbs 1.15. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. Because their path leads to destruction. Sin and sinful behavior, once you choose to allow your carnal nature to rule your life, whatever area it might be ruling right now, you can take a hold of it through the power and grace of Christ and know how to live by principle. But sin itself and your sinful nature will slam dunk you into a path that will lead to destruction. A path that will lead to no fulfillment. A path that will be going nowhere in life. A path that you will go down and turn around and look back down and say, Why in the world did I go down this path? Why did I choose to live my life this way? And now I am so unfulfilled and I don't have enough time to really ramp it back up again to get onto another path. But there are some short, gracious paths the Lord can give you even in late years of life. And they can be fulfilling. But it would be better to build a whole path of fruitfulness and fulfillment and destiny. And when you get to the end of that path, you turn around and say, And this was the way to live, baby. And if I had to do it all over again, I would wear this path out. Because this is the path meant for me. Well, that's a great thing. That's a great thing. Number two, the path of immorality. Proverbs 5, 6 lets you ponder her path. And what will happen to your life? Her ways are unstable. You do not know them. If any young person is thinking about immorality, read Proverbs 4, 5, 6, and 7. Because when you read Proverbs 4, 5, 6, and 7, it talks about how the young man is drawn into this adulterous house or this fornication house or this sensual woman or this woman that has the great eyelashes that flashes, talks about that, gets the young man's attention, and then finally flashes him all the way down to her home and then invites him in for a little bit of food and then invites him for some conversation and then invites him to sit on her bed and then invites him into her bed and then she destroys his soul. And so Proverbs is very, very descriptive about the immoral woman and the same with the immoral man who draws people into their path. Their ways have turned into a path of skill, a path where they know how to seduce, a path where they know how to destroy the heart of a virgin man or a virgin woman, a heart that will destroy the mind and emotions of that person. The path of immorality is a horrible path. And if you could ever see the consequences of what happens to you when you go down that path, you would never choose the path. The Bible is very clear. In 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 18, it says, flee sexual immorality. Why? And that word means to turn around, take off, and sprint as fast as you can. Run from it. 
like Joseph did when Potiphar's wife grabbed his garment. And Joseph didn't worry about his coat or the cost of the coat or how pretty the coat was and how much he invested in his clothing. He just left that coat and left the house and ran away from this woman because he knew that woman was trying to seduce him. He knew the cost of that seduction and he would not give in to it. It's one of the greatest lessons in the Bible to flee, run, just get out of it. Why? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.18, this, this, I'm reading scripture here. Every sin, the Bible doesn't say some, maybe a few. The Bible says every sin a man does is outside the body, but one. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his body. Every other sin is externally away from you to steal, to cheat, to do violence, to do harm, whatever it might be. All the sins that can be listed. But the Bible says, but there's one sin that's different categorically than any other sin. Because this sin actually sins and destroys your own soul. You actually kill your own emotions. You actually violate your own conscience. You actually put a wrench in your machine that you can hardly take out. Only by a miracle grace of God and deliverance can you take care of an immoral act because it not only just takes a body. Sexual activity is not just two people coming together to have a physical encounter called sex. That is about one one thousandth of what happens with sexual encounter. Sexual encounter involves the spirit of a person. Sexual encounter involves the mind of a person. Sexual encounter involves the emotions of a person. Sexual encounter involves that whole core being of the sacredness of what you have in your virginity or in your own sexuality. And when you let that go, something breaks down inside of you. Something changes that you can't just tomorrow morning fix or a week from now or a month from now. So you bring your sexuality before God and you lay it at the altar. And if you have failed the Lord in sexual immorality, it's time to stop. If you're a Christian that's always walking on the line and fudging a little bit and doing heavy petting and this and that, and you get involved with a little sleeping with somebody before they're married, and you know you have a few situations over the last few years, but you're doing pretty good, stop. Flee. Don't do it anymore. Cleanse your emotions. Get deliverance from your mind. Let your spirit get pure. Why? Because this kind of immorality will take you on a path that you don't want to go down. And just when you think you're able to restore your soul any way you want, you find it's very difficult to get it out of your mind. You find it very difficult when you're married to even think about what you did before you were married. It's a challenge. You have to deal with it. You don't want that in your mind. You don't want that in your spirit. Everyone say flee. flee. Number three, the path of forgetting God. Neglect. Neglecting Bible, devotions, going to church, loving Jesus, the spirit of neglect. Number four, the path of darkness. Different levels of darkness, dark deed, dark ideas, dark mind, dark emotion. Don't let darkness be a part of your path. Get rid of it. Here's some paths that we can take that will fulfill our destiny. These are good paths, and you can do these this morning and start with them. At least write it down and say, Lord, teach me this way. Number one, go down the path of the Lord. The Bible is filled with scriptures about 
His paths and the teach me your paths and the direct paths and the, I want to walk in his paths and Lord, put my feet in your paths. I mean, the Bible is filled with scriptures with people that say, oh, God, let me walk on your path. That should be your prayer every morning, people. Every time you get up, you start praying, God, let me be on your path today. Lord, let me just go right down the way that you want. For Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. When you accept Jesus, you accept a new way of living. And that new way is truth. And ultimately, you'll have the best life in the world. He's the way, the truth, and the life. But if you choose the wrong way, it's a way of destruction. So you've got to get Christ and truth both into your heart. Number two, a path of God's presence. Devotional prayer. Holy Spirit activity. Number three, straight paths. Good decisions. Integrity. Principle. Don't you dare be obscure with yourself and your decisions. Don't be fuzzy about things. Don't be unclear about who you are and how you live. Have a straight path. Be a straight shooter. The path of righteousness. Turn away from those things that are wrong. Not in a legalistic way. I'm not trying to tell you everything to do, but I'm telling you, you should know what to do. You should know what is righteous and what is unrighteous. The path of God's commandments. You should know what God says don't touch and what God says you can touch. What's the commandments of the Lord? What has God put in His Word? What does He tell you to flee? The path of justice. You should know when to be fair. You should know when to be just. You should know when to direct your life in decisions that justice would be the core value that you use. And also the path of abundance that God wants to bless, bring favor, and put something upon you that is so unbelievably good that it will change your whole life. How do you do this? I'm just going to close with four one-liners. Choosing a path of unshakable destiny. I find that Psalm 27:11 is right. Teach me. Everyone say, teach me. Teach me. Everyone say it again. Teach me. Everyone say a teachable spirit. How do you get onto the right path? First, have a teachable spirit. Responsive, ready to receive, not reactive, not self-willed, not rebellious, just ready to receive. God, if you tell me and show me in the word, I will do it. That's a teachable spirit. Second, align your life with God's principles. When you find a principle, put it to work. It's not simple to uh, study the deep things of God, and yet it is simple to study the deep things of God. When you find something you understand, apply it. When you know something is wrong, don't do it. When you know something is right, do it. And you'll find yourself starting to grow in God. It's a really amazing, simple thing. Third, learn from your mistakes. If you've made an immoral mistake, if you've made a business mistake, if you've made a friend mistake, if you made a financial mistake, if you made a conscious mistake, if you made a... I don't... I can list a thousand mistakes. Learn from them. Bring them to the altar of God and say, Lord, I let these mistakes go. And last, learn from other people's mistakes. That's the best way to learn in the world. Watch them make the mistake and then say, I ain't going to do that. Watch someone else pay the price and say, boy, I don't want to pay that price. How many know what I'm talking about? Learn from other people's mistakes. Okay. How many of you are committed to walking on a level path? How many of you see your path as a little crooked right now? How many of you see your path as a little too many hills and valleys? How many see your path as uh, one that's not as clear as it should be? How many of you are afraid some consequences are coming down the pipe and you want to pray for a crop failure? 